Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Had the week off last week. No football going on. Um, No need. Super Bowl this Sunday, though. And it wouldn't feel right to do this episode without the man that's been with us for this whole postseason. So Jacob Duncan is back. How you doing? Doing great. Super Bowl weekend. Uh, it's the moment we've been waiting for. Every fan goes into the season hoping their team can make it to this game. Uh, two fan bases left. You know, two great teams left. Should be a great game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think they should definitely add in some form of an alternate, whether it be on the same weekend, like before, after, or even just during Pro Bowl week, which obviously was different this year, where it's the teams with the two worst records play for the number one pick. Well, that's definitely a, definitely an interesting concept. I think that, you know, that might appeal more so to, um, you know, our kind of fan bases, I suppose, for lack of. I would have to agree with that. Yeah. So obviously we just have one game this week. Um, if we did it similar to how we've done the past couple weeks, it'd probably be about a five to seven minute episode. So we're going to do a deep dive into this full Super Bowl primer position by position. And we're going to start off with the leaders of both teams, that being Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City and Tom Brady for, uh, I was about to say New England, Tampa Bay. So yeah. what are you thinking about these two guys? Uh, which team has the advantage of quarterback? Well, it's obviously uh, two of the most accomplished quarterbacks we've really ever seen in the NFL. Um, we've seen, obviously, Mahomes he's in his young career already. Um, he's breaking records every year. Uh, already back in back-to-back Super Bowl appearances at such a young age is such impressive. And, and I think he has a good chance of winning this one as well. And obviously Tom Brady, you know, he's had such an accomplished career, although, you know, he's not my he's not my favorite guy in the world, but uh, I can't deny all of his accomplishments. And and he somehow finds a way to get back at the top every year. And uh, but at the end of the day, though, I do think Tom Brady hasn't necessarily played that well in the playoffs this year. He definitely um, has been boosted by supporting cast. Uh, with Mahomes, I don't think I can say the same thing. I think, you know, Tom Brady's obviously, you can't deny his greatness. But, you know, he gets back here every year. But at the end of the day, he isn't, he is old. He's getting older. He is, his play has declined. And, and Mahomes, it, he's a different level, man. I think just purely uh, skill. And, and if I were to pick a quarterback to be on my team for one game, I, I think it's hard to go against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I think you start off, you, you got the $500 million man versus, you know, the grizzled and rather accomplished veteran. When you look at Mahomes to start off, I think a big question that both you and I were looking for in the AFC championship game was his health. And based off of his 300 plus yard, three touchdown game versus a pretty staunch Buffalo defense, it's apparent he's healthy, he's ready to go. And then when these teams played in the regular season, Mahomes was phenomenal, Um, obviously partially due to the help of a teammate that we'll talk about later. Um, But he diced the Tampa D through for 462 yards, three touchdowns. In his postseason career, Mahomes has averaged 293 yards per game with a cumulative 65.5% completion percentage, 17 touchdowns to only two interceptions. In the Super Bowl last year, he made his mistakes. He did throw two interceptions, but he did have 286 yards, two touchdowns, and rallied the troops late. So the thing about Patrick Mahomes is he's the epitome of the guy. You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. And then, excuse me, there's the villainous Tom Brady. Sat out the Super Bowl last year. He returns this year with his brand-new team. He's coming in here, up and down performances, um, especially in that Green Bay Packers game. He looked phenomenal the first half, um, albeit with some help from, you know, Kevin King. Uh, threw for three touchdowns and 280 yards, but he also threw three interceptions. And the first time around the Chiefs, he threw for 345 yards and three touchdowns, but also had two interceptions. And if you watch that game, you could see he just didn't look fully comfortable. He's regarded as the GOAT and an elite postseason performer. But when you really dive into it, I think 
and I don't want to take away from what he's done because it's been very impressive. He averages 278.4 yards per game in his postseason career, and he has a touchdown-interception ratio that for what he is considered is a bit underwhelming, 80 to 38. That's about roughly two touchdowns to interception. Um, in the Super Bowls, he averages 315.3 yards with an 18 to 6 touchdown interception ratio. This is, you know, a few one of the few guys you can really take data from his Super Bowls, of course. Um, and he's he's had some up and down performances in Super Bowls. Like in 2018, they lost to the Eagles, but he had that 500 yard performance, um, really good. Dropped that one pass that when he was out as a receiver. But he's also put up some dud games. Um, you know, both culminated in wins, but he led his offense to 13 points in 2002 and 2019 to beat the Rams, one St. Louis, one in Los Angeles. In those two games, he combined for 407 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. You're, there's no way you're saying they won that game on Tom Brady. So with Pat Mahomes leading the other side, Brady's going to have to put up a 2014, 2016, 2017-esque game, not his weak performances versus the Rams. Because if there's one thing that I'm sure of, I'm sure that it will take more than 13 points to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs. So with postseason prowess aside, Patrick Mahomes, 100% advantage here for the Chiefs, in my opinion. Next, we have the running back matchup. Uh, Kansas City, the trio of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Le'Veon Bell, those two, they've been banged up, as well as a former undrafted free agent, Daryl Williams. And then Tampa Bay's duo of former LSU star Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Yeah, so definitely two interesting position groups for each team here. Obviously, um, like you mentioned, Clyde and uh, Le'Veon Bell have definitely been banged up uh, during the whole postseason run. I know Clyde um, did play kind of limited snaps last game, but he is the, he is the leader of this backfield. As a rookie coming out of LSU, he's had he's had a pretty an up and down season, I guess. But there's definitely there she's shown a lot of potential. It'll be tough to run against this uh, uh, Bucks defense, but Clyde is definitely a talented guy. Um, somebody you don't want to let get in open space. And Le'Veon Bell, of course, he's he's kind of his career's kind of on the back end at this point, but he's still a weapon in the pass game. He still can be a viable option as a backup running back. Darrell Williams will get some snap in there as well. Um, when it, on the Buck side, you got Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Obviously, I think one of the better duos in the league, in my opinion. Um, they both bring something to the table. Uh, I'm, I think Ronald Jones. He, I do think he's the better of the two. Um, but he's been a little banged up. I think a couple weeks off here will definitely allow him to uh, come back to full health. And obviously, Leonard Fournette's been playing at a really high level this postseason, uh, especially against the Packers. A couple of those runs were very nice. And uh, I, I, at the end of the day, though, I do think this is. Kind of similar to the last um, debate, or I think this is kind of one-sided. I, I don't think many teams have a better duo than what the Bucks have with Leonard Burnett and um, and Rojo. Uh, I'm definitely going to take the Bucks running back in this. Yeah, Kansas City. I think the biggest um, you know note surrounding it is the health. Clyde Edwards-Helaire. He had a pretty solid rookie season. Uh, maybe not up to the standards of you taking him fourth in fantasy football, but nonetheless mm-hmm. solid rookie season, but he's been banged up down the stretch. Le'Veon just hasn't found his footing in Kansas City and has injury questions himself. Then you enter Darrell Williams, the former undrafted free agent, who he's been there leading uh, rusher in postseason with five yards per carry. Kansas City offense, they're not they're not built on the run. It's primarily about Mahomes in the passing game. To put themselves in a position to win, they need efficiency, and that's what Darrell Williams has been. Um, so whether it be Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Le'Veon or Daryl Williams, efficiency is going to be the key for this rushing game. Um, on the flip side, in the regular season, Ronald Jones was the guy getting the primary uh, touches um, with Leonard Fournette, you know, the former top five pick. Uh, I don't want to say disappointing entirely because I don't know what the expectations were, but not playing particularly great. So after Rojo nearly eclipsed 1,000 yards, he had 970 yards and seven rushing touchdowns in the regular season. Um, he's had injury slowing down in the postseason, and it has been all about Fournette in the postseason. After averaging about three yards per carry in the regular season, he's up to nearly four and a half yards per carry through these three postseason games. And none of his games have been off the charts groundbreaking, but he's averaging 70 yards a game. 
and has actually um, not considered a pass catcher at all. He's recorded 14 catches for 102 yards. Um, Jones, he's only had 23 carries for 78 yards. He has had extra time to heal for this game. I think he'll have a bigger role than he has thus far. Um, in the end, with Fournette looking better and the prospect of Roju returning healthy, I'm with you. The Bucks have the advantage at running back. Next, we have the wide receiver, which may be the most star-studded group outside of, obviously, the quarterbacks. Um, and just to note of this, um, for both teams, are the number three receivers, it's kind of in limbo in terms of health. So take it easy. Um, Chiefs, you got Tyreek Hill, McCall Hardman, and Sammy Watkins. Watkins, as I said, he's been banged up. And then for Tampa Bay, you got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. Yeah, so just like you said, it is a lot of a lot of stars at this position. Uh, starting with the Chiefs, um, the guy who I think has definitely separated himself this year and really taken the next step is Tyreek Hill, and I do think he is the best wide receiver on the field, uh, regardless of who's out there. I think he's, his speed is just unmatched. It's it's just tough to guard, and you saw what he did against the Bucks in their matchup earlier this year. He had like 200 yards in the first quarter. It was unbelievable. Um, the other guys uh, at wide receiver for the Chiefs are definitely interesting. They're, they're guys who can make good plays from time to time. Obviously, a guy like Nicole Hardman. Um, he does a lot of damage on special teams as well, which we'll talk about later. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely a weapon that the Chiefs try to get the ball in his hands. And a guy like Sammy Watkins, obviously, um, he's definitely taken a step back, uh, and he's obviously suffering with some injuries. I'm assuming he will play in this game. Um, but he's another guy that you don't want to sleep on because he can, he can burn you. And on the other side, obviously, this is, might be the, uh, the strongest group, a uh, position group for the Bucs, uh, their wide receiver, especially with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, they were great uh, last year with Jameis throwing the ball, and they, they're just as good this year with Tom Brady. Um, they, they're a duo that's probably the best in the league right now. When you throw a guy like Antonio Brown, obviously he's dealing with uh, health issues as well. But um, you throw him into the mix, it's, it's almost unguardable. And then even another guy, Scotty Miller, he makes big plays all year too. Um, this is a tough one because I do think Tyreek Hill is by far the best receiver that will be on the field. Um, but overall as a group, you have to go with the Bucks here. Uh, that, that's just too deadly, too many options I'm ready to throw to. This was easily um, the mo my most hotly contested um, decision. Starting with the Chiefs, they're going to be without Demarcus Robinson in the Super Bowl due to COVID-19. And like I said, uh, Watkins, he struggled to stay healthy. But nonetheless, this is a scary group of receivers. Tyreek Hill, he's torched defenses all season. He had 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns in 15 games. And his best performance in the 2020 season and uh, probably the best of his career without actually looking at his whole career was against none other than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he had an earth-shattering 13 catches for 269 yards and three touchdowns. Super Bowl last year, he led all receivers with nine catches for 105 yards. But, but past Tyreek, McCall Hardman also has excellent speed, and he's shown off his prowess catching footballs. Watkins, questionable to play, um, but he's another big weapon for Patrick Mahomes. It's been a season to forget for him, but he has plenty of big game experience. And in that Super Bowl last year, he nearly eclipsed 100 yards, sitting at 98. With dwindling depth, uh, I'd also expect to see um, return man Byron Pringle get some snaps at receiver. And then for the Buccaneers, their receiving trio, they've also had some availability questions with Antonio Brown missing the NFC Championship game. But during the regular season, Brady was able to spread the ball out nice, nicely. Excuse me. Um, Evans, Mike Evans with his seventh 1,000-yard season. It didn't feel like it. I had him in fantasy. It did not feel like it. Another 1,000-yard season. Had 13 touchdowns. Chris Godwin, 840 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, and Antonio Brown um, only played eight games but had 483 yards and four touchdowns. Throw in slot speedster and, you know, proverbial nuisance, Scotty Miller. And this wide receiver core is lethal. Defenses, they have to pick their poison in the way that you have to defend these guys. In the postseason, though, Chris Godwin, he leads the team with 223 yards, but he's only caught 14 of 28 passes thrown his way. The Bucks, they can't afford drops from Godwin. End of story. And they won't have to worry about a, you know, Jair Alexander on the opposing side, but the Chiefs do have physical DBs that'll make these wide receivers work. 
And so in the end, as anticlimactic as it is, both these teams, they have phenomenal wide receivers. I think Tampa Bay probably is better depth-wise, but seeing the way Tyreek Hill played against Tampa Bay can't give me the win to the Bucks. So I'm gonna I I'm gonna I'm gonna call this a draw. I'm gonna call this a draw. Um, definitely there are strong arguments for either side, but I, I couldn't pick. Next, we got a tight end, which honestly you, you could make the argument the tight end is just uh, just as star set as mm-hmm. receiver. You have Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs versus uh, the duo in Tampa Bay. Say this based on some postseason performance of Rob Gronkowski and Cameron Brait. Yeah, so like you said, another another matchup with some stars in it. I obviously, you can see that for both of these teams, they have a lot of star-sided players, and that's why they're in the Super Bowl. But um, Travis Kelsey, certainly the Chiefs, he just he keeps on he keeps on keeping on every year. Somehow every year he puts up great numbers. You think maybe he's going to take a decline, and uh, he just continues. I I think he broke more records this year as tight ends. I can't remember what stat it was, but I know that he just keeps on breaking records. And he's he's cemented himself as by far the number one tight end in the league. The man just comes out there every year, and he just he's just amazing to watch. And he's one of the best tight ends of all time. And on the Bucks side, obviously, you're talking about another historically great tight end who I saw. Although he's uh, definitely on the decline of his career, even though I did see a I did see a, um, a post on Instagram that said something about how Gronk and Kelsey were actually the same age, which definitely uh, definitely surprised me. But Gronk, even though he is uh, definitely not the same player he once was, he still proved to be a viable option for Tom Brady to throw to. And obviously, they have a they have a great relationship where Tom Brady trusts Bob Gronkowski. And, and really, an underrated guy is definitely Cameron Bray. He he seems to be one of those guys who's, who's become a safety veil, and uh, he's really an underrated player and and a really good tight end, which makes this uh, makes this a tough choice because I definitely think the Bucks they have a nice duo. But he just—it's just hard to compete against Travis Kelsey and what he does on that field. He, he is—he's almost like another wide receiver in the past game. He always finds a way to get open. He's a great route runner, and he's just—he's a great pass catcher. It, it is—it's tough, but I think Travis Kelsey's just got much star too good of a player to pick against him. Yeah, all respect to George Kittle. I want to say first and foremost, Travis Kelsey's the unquestionable top tight end in football right now. He's always been incredible, and I also refuse to believe that him and Gronk are the same age. Not fake, fake, 100% fake, not real. Um, But he was a different breed in 2020. He had 1,417 yards, which is the most by a tight end in a single season in NFL history, and finished second in receiving yards, including wide receivers. Tyreek Hill has that swagger and speed, but Travis, he's undoubtedly Patrick Mahomes' top target in safety net. He's, he has carried his big regular season into the postseason, averaging 10.5 catches and 113 yards per postseason game. And in his first Super Bowl last season, he had six receptions for 43 yards, including a fourth-quarter touchdown that sparked the Kansas City comeback. And really, it's just hard not to be excited to see what the 6'5", 260-pound monster will do for an encore this Sunday. And then similar to their running back room, Rob Gronkowski, he racked up the regular season numbers. He had 45 catches for 600 yards and seven touchdowns. But it's been Cameron Brate making the plays in the postseason. Three games, Brate has 11 catches for 149 yards and one touchdown, while Gronk holds only two receptions. Despite this quiet postseason in 2021, Gronk, he's historically one of the best postseason performers. He has over 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns in 19 games. In its current state, this duo doesn't quite match up with Kelsey, but it's plenty formidable. Nonetheless, the advantage goes to the Chiefs. Then next, we're going to chart into, I guess I don't want to speak for Jacob, but definitely an area that I am not um, an expert at, and that is the offensive line. Um, The lineup, obviously, these are five guys on both sides. The projected starting lineup that I got for Kansas City, yeah, Rankin, Allegretti, uh, Ryder, Wiley, and Remmers. For Tampa Bay, you got Smith, Marpet, Jensen, Stinney, and Werfs. Yeah, so I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm no expert on offensive line. Um, but I do, from doing some research, I know that both of these teams, it, it, it's pretty even. Um, I know that when it comes to sack numbers, I know in the regular season, they were only like one difference between each other. Um, so, it, you know, I, this is kind of a coin flip for me because – 
And I think both, obviously you don't get to the Super Bowl with poor offensive line play. You just don't see that. So both of these are very formidable units. Um, but I do know that um, I believe it was against the Bills in the Bills game. Um, Eric Fisher did go down. So I, I know the Bucks are a little bit more healthy on the offensive line. Um, that is really my only reason for You there? I think you're frozen. Oh, can you see me now? Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry about that. Um, so you said you said bucks, yeah. have a little bit more health right now compared to the Chiefs. Um, I just, that's really the only uh, reason why I picked them right now. Yeah, sorry. There was just a little network there. I think we, I think we got you. Um, for me, when you look at this, um, when you look at the stats, uh, PFF, uh, their end of the season breakdown, um, it had the Chiefs as the 11th line um, with Tampa Bay coming in at five. Uh, sacks allowed that Kansas City they've allowed 28 and 18 games, um, while Tampa Bay has allowed 27 and 19 games. Uh, and then they had 28 penalties, Kansas City, in 18 games, while Tampa Bay had 27 and 19 games. So, like I said, I'm no offensive line guru, but I'll keep I'll keep the selection simple. At full strength, the Chiefs, they boast a pretty strong offensive line, but without their typical offensive tackles, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, I think they'll have a tough time or n- n- a tough task in stopping the Buccaneers' pass rush. Uh, Buccaneers, they've been able to stay healthy for the most part. They're stalwart, they're stalwarts in Smith, Marpet, and Jensen. They've continued bit business as usual. Their rookie tackle, Tristan Wirfs, he's played great at right tackle, filled out the offensive line well. This postseason, they've given up some sacks. They've given up five, but they've also been facing some good front sevens. This matchup, for me, definitely goes to Tampa Bay. And then we get into the defense, where this, I'll say it now, and I'll probably mention it a lot. Some of these positional matchups, they're very different because these teams run different schemes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like D-line for Kansas City versus three Tampa Bay in terms of numbers. It's, it's all schematics. Um, so that's, you know, that's that. Uh, D-line wise for Kansas City, they were they're gonna boast Chris Jones, Derek Nottie, Frank Clark, and then I think the spot will be rotated. And I'll try to say it to no Capacignon? No idea. Sounds good. <laughs> it's, it's I don't know that guy. Um, versus Tampa Bay, they got uh, Indomitian Sue, Vita Vea, and William Golston. Yes, another interesting matchup here. Uh, obviously, um, the Bucks defense is playing at a really high level, and um, their front seven is definitely having a big part of that. And their, their defensive line is very good, very talented. And Davidson Sue, he's been around the block a few times. This is not his first rodeo, and uh, he's definitely a big hole in the middle, along with Vita Vea. Those are just two guys I would not want to see running at me if I was trying to defend them. And um, uh, you know the Bucks, they're they're going to be able to get uh, put pressure in on um, the offensive line of the Chiefs. Uh, they're a dangerous unit, and I'll have to say the same thing about the Chiefs as well. Uh, Chris Jones and Frank Clark is a pretty uh, pretty dangerous duo uh, rushing the passer. Hopefully, the Bucks offensive line comes to play because those those two can uh, wreak havoc on the defensive line or on the offensive line. Um, it, it is really it's another even matchup. I, I don't want to say I'm an expert on. Um, on this position or these guys as well. But I think um, just because of that pass rush duo of the Chiefs, I'm going to give them a slight edge here, but it is, it is very even. And I'd be willing to say draw as well in this one. Yeah. So in that AFC championship game victory, the Chiefs were able to consistently get pressure on Josh Allen. To beat Tampa Bay, they have to get after Tom Brady. Chris Jones is as disruptive as an interior defensive line player there is in the league. Derek Nottie, he gets work done inside as well. Frank Clark, he may not be good as, as as good as his massive contract would lead you to think, but he's a productive pass rusher. And then when you they'll be rotating out uh, to know, we'll just leave it to know as well as a uh, former Michigan legend Mike Dana. Uh, it you know those are fine rotational guys that move in and out. This group does its job. 
like they did um, against Buffalo, I think Kansas City wins. I will say that. This is, I don't want to say the most important, but I think this, how this group plays will be indicative of how the Chiefs do. For Tampa Bay, it's a mismatch schematically when comparing these two because they're more of a 3-4 base. They get their top pass rushers off the edge. So if you look at these stats, um, which I'll have posted in the corresponding blog post, um, you know, the numbers are very skewed. Uh, especially with a lot long absences from Vita Vey. He only appeared in five regular season games. It was active, but wasn't really a factor in the NFC championship game. The interior unit, it's strong with a fully healthy uh, Vita Vea and Dominican Sue. But especially with the schematic differences between the two teams, I think the advantage goes to Kansas City. Linebacker, this is another, um, I'll say it again, just kind of difference of scheme. Where Kansas City, they have their stand-up linebackers and Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson. Uh, Tampa Bay, they have their pass rushers, Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaquille Barrett, with their inside linebackers of Devin White and Levante David. Yeah, so uh, with, all, with all due respect to Kansas City, I'm just going to stay right off the bat. This is not even a decision for me. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay right away. Um, I think this might be one of the strongest. I think this may be the strongest linebacking group in the entire NFL right now. Um, they're just they're loaded. Everybody there: JPP, Devin White, Levante David, Shaquille Barrett. They just like you said uh, in the last positional breakdown. Um, the Bucks get a lot of their pass rush from this unit, and, and they're just they're they're a tough unit to go against. I they're kind of like the anchor of this defense, and if it's if it's not wide receivers, the strongest position group for this team, it is without a doubt the linebackers. Um, obviously, KC is not – It's they're no scrubs. Hitchens, Wilson, very nice players, but it, it's just not comparable in my opinion. I think uh, Bucks have this one by a mile. Yeah, this was without a doubt the easiest one for me, even just off the top of my head. Um, schematically and skill-wise, it's a mismatch for the Chiefs. That primary nickel defense, they have typically these two linebackers. Hitchens, he's a seven-year veteran, but merely an average player. Wilson as well, longtime player. Um, doesn't offer anything exciting or off the charts. I, this analysis is bland, but it's just fitting for what this Chiefs linebacker corpse is. Meanwhile, Tampa Bay linebacker, it's, you know, this is crazy. They have two explosive pass rushers in Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul should not be dealing with explosives, however. Um, they combined for 17 and a half sacks in the regular season. On the inside, uh, Tampa Bay, they have the that great veteran present presence with Levante David and a budding superstar in second-year player, Devin White. Postseason, Devin White, he's recorded three turnovers in three games. He has an interception and two fumble recoveries, keeping that phenomenal season rolling. Might be the best, might be the best linebacker group in football. So they 100% have the upper hand versus this Kansas City Corp. It's almost like it should be Bucks plus two. Advantage, Buccaneers. Moving on to the guys who will be trying to guard Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, and so and so. For Kansas City, and obviously these guys are rotating, uh, so not all four will necessarily play, but what we're mainly going to be seeing from Kansas City is Traverius Ward, Bashad Breeland, Rashad Fenton, Legereus Sneed. And for Tampa Bay, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, not to be confused with uh, Oakland Athletics catcher Sean Murphy, um, as well as Jamel Dean. Yeah, so definitely another even position group. This is both have kind of young units, uh, cornerback position. That's starting with the uh, Chiefs. Um, Traverius Ward, nice players. Again, I don't think anybody's really special in either one of these teams, although I do. I'm a big fan of the Jerry Sneed and what he's been able to do. He was quite a find for the Chiefs this year as a rookie. Um, I, I definitely think he's a guy who's going to be able to make some big time plays in this game. Um, going to the Bucks again, another kind of a, a young unit, um, Carlton Davis, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting. Um, they've been solid players, but nobody really stands out to me from that unit. I definitely think it's one of the weaker areas um, for the team. Um, I, again, I could go back and forth, but I think I think the Chiefs are slightly better here. I, I like Various Ward. I like Rashad Whelan. I love LeJerry Sneed a lot. Um, I, I definitely think I'm going to lean the Chiefs here. Yeah, I will say um... – 
to start off, I, I also love Legarius Need, but also partially because I have been doing a Madden franchise as the Chiefs, and he's just like developed into this ridiculous lockdown corner. He's like 96 feet. Um, welcome back, NCAA football, by the way. That's a whole nother thing. Um, but for me, uh, when you put out there, it's a small, small named group, but it's sneaky solid, not one of the league's best. But Ward, Fenton, Breland, they're all solid players at a respectable level. Jarius Need, you know, like we kind of referenced, he's had some good moments in his rookie season. Um, no polished product, however. And I keep saying these guys are solid, but not necessarily um, perfectly equipped to stop the likes of Mike Evans, Chris Godwins, and co. And then, like the Chiefs, um, not the sexiest position group for Tampa Bay, but they have some stingy corners. Carlton Davis, he's had a strong season, um, recording 18 pass deflections and four interceptions in the regular season before famously locking down Michael Thomas in the NFC Divisional Round. Uh, this postseason, Sean Murphy Bunting, he's been making plays as shown by his three interceptions. Jamel Dean, not quite at the level of his aforementioned teammates, but more, you know, more than a competent third cornerback that can hold his own. When you look into these numbers, I think this is definitely a coin flip, and I think both units will probably struggle um, going up against the respective wide receiver groups. My advantage is actually going to go to the Buccaneers. I like the way that Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting have been playing. And Kansas City can, you know, compete there. But I don't know. I'm, I'm just a fan of the way that TB has played in the postseason. Next, we got the safety matchup. The hard hitters, Kansas City, got Daniel Sorensen, Tyran Matthew, and Juan Thornhill. Um, and then for Tampa Bay, you got Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, Jordan Whitehead, and Mike Edwards. Yeah, so definitely another interesting matchup here in the secondary. Uh, Kansas City's starting with them. They're definitely a more experienced uh, group. Daniel Sorensen and the Honey Badger have been going at it. Same with uh, Juan Thornhill. They've been, they've been at it for a few seasons now. Obviously, uh, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, one of the best safeties in the league. Um, he's definitely got kind of a resurgence here in uh, KC. He's one of the leaders of this defense, if not the leader of the defense. And Daniel Sorensen, um, although, you know, if you looked at him, you wouldn't think he was a great player, but he's he's been a really reliable player for this KC defense. And uh, somebody they look to, again, is another leader. Um, on the other side, a young group, but definitely a talented one. I, I think Tampa's got something here for the future. Antoine Winfield is one of my favorite players in the draft. I thought he was a perfect fit, fit when they took him. Jordan Whitehead has played well. Um, another a really talented group. Um, they are young though; they're inexperienced, and it'll be a, it'll be a tough matchup going against Tom Brady or going against Patrick Mahomes. Um, it'll be a tough matchup going against Tom Brady as well for the other side. But uh, I definitely think just having Tyron Matthew on, on your side definitely helps helps make a case for you. And I think just the experience it's gonna help uh, KC in this game. Uh, I think they have a better secondary, and I think their safeties are better. And I'll yeah. go with Kansas. Yeah. Um, so Tyron Matthew, he's the heart and soul of this Kansas City defense. Led the team with six interceptions, um, and he put up 62 tackles as well. But you kind of mentioned it. Don't sleep on the other guys. Sorensen, he led Kansas City in the regular season with tackles. And as a viewer, I just feel like you're always seeing Sorensen making plays. Um, then you got the former UVA Cavalier, Juan Thornhill. He's, uh, you know, Thorn and other offenses' sides, despite dealing with some injuries. Honey Badger, Tyran Matthew, he's the epitome of a big game player. I expect him to be a large difference maker in this matchup. Tampa Bay, this, uh, this trio of safeties, they're plenty talented. The big question is health. Winfield missed the NFC Championship game with a nagging ankle injury. He says he's going to play but we won't really know if he's 100%. Same for Jordan Whitehead, who left the game versus the Packers with various injuries, questionable to play. Mike Edwards, he's stepped in, he's played well, um, but he obviously can't do it all himself. So if I'm being guaranteed that all of Tampa Bay's guys are healthy, I think this is more of a discussion. But with the question marks for Winfield Jr. and Whitehead, I'm going to go with a safer pick, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. And then... Uh, let's see next. And I suppose lastly, um, in terms of p positional breakdown, we have the special teams. Don't sleep on the special teams. It's important. 
So Kansas City, uh, you got Harrison Butker at kicker, Tommy Townsend at uh, punter, and then you got the return duel of McCall Hardman and Byron Pringle. Um, and then for Tampa Bay, their primary kicker, they got Ryan Suckup, they got Bradley Pinion punting, and they have uh, the uh, the great Jade Mickens on, on kick returns and punt returns. <laughs> yeah, so special teams here, obviously it's not exactly a position group that gets talked about a lot, but it, it, it is very important in games like this. Field position can make a huge difference in a huge game like this, and these guys will play a big factor into that, obviously, uh, starting with Kansas City. Harrison Bucker has been a pretty reliable kicker for the most part, um, been there for a long time. And he's a guy I think you can trust in these big games. He's, he's made big field goals before. I, I don't have any worry about him about him missing a kick. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know much about the punters uh, for either team, so I'm not going to talk too much about that. But I'm assuming the punters are all right. Um, I don't want to make any statements that I'm not really educated on. But obviously the uh, the return men for the Chiefs, McCall Hardman, uh, like we mentioned earlier, he's he's got speed and he he's made a lot of big plays before. He's definitely a guy that you don't want to kick the ball to. You don't want the ball in his hands. He he can do dangerous things. I'm pretty sure he had, um, I believe he had a kick return against the Bills or in the playoffs before. So uh, he's definitely a guy that I don't want to see the ball in his hands. And on the other side, Ryan Suckup obviously uh, hasn't been with the with the Bucks for long. Um, just his first season there, but he's been pretty good for the most part. I mean, the playoffs, I, I don't believe he's missed a kick. If he hasn't, it hasn't been many. Um, he's been, been a reliable kicker. He's been in the league for a long time, and, and he's definitely a guy that looks like reliable. Um, he's got a decent leg. Again, I don't don't know too much about the punter, so I'll kind of stay away from that, but Jaden Mickens, um, he's a guy who definitely can make a big play. Um, not quite as good of a returner as uh, – the Chiefs have that they can put out there, but he's definitely a solid return guy. Um, but when it comes down to it, I do th- I think the kicking games are pretty even between these teams. Um, you might give a slight edge to the Chiefs just because how long Bucker's been doing it with them. Um, but I don't think you can really compare the return men here with Michael Hardman. He's just much more dangerous of an option. I think he's definitely going to put the Chiefs in a better position um, when it comes to special teams. Uh, gave me the Chiefs, the special teams. Yeah. So, you know, amongst a potent offense and good defense, the Chiefs, they have great special teams. Butker, he's blossomed into one of the better kickers in football, despite missing a field goal and extra point this postseason. Punning-wise, Tommy Townsend, he isn't a great punter, but they don't task him with many opportunities. He has one punt and, you know, in two postseason games. And then the returning duel of Byron Pringle and McCall Hardman, as explosive as any in the league, Pringle, he had a kick return touchdown in the regular season. Then Harvey with his road class speed, he had a punt return touchdown. With that kind of speed and, you know, electricity, you don't want the ball in McCall Hardman's hands. Yes, he had that one mishap in the NFC Championship game, that fumble, or AFC Championship game, rather. But you, you don't want to see him. And then when you break down the numbers, um, they just they have success in special teams. Tampa Bay. They have a perfectly normal special teams group. Suck up. He's been pretty on money on normal field goals, but he has missed six extra points this season, including, I believe, one in the postseason. Punting-wise, Pinion, he's towards the bottom of punt yard averages. And then Jaden Mickens, I don't think he's anything too special return-wise. When you really get into the numbers regular season-wise, um, uh, Kansas City, they have a better field goal percentage. Punting-wise, it's about even in terms of punt average. Kick return average, Kansas City has the upper hand. Punt return average, Kansas City has the upper hand. Kansas City has a special teams advantage. So now we have, um, we've gone position by position. Me, my total advantage, it goes Chiefs. Uh, they have five. Tampa has four. And then um, I had that one draw. Yeah, um, I believe my total advantage would come down to I think I had Chiefs six and I believe Bucks four, I want to say. Yeah, 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 I think so because I think we we were flipped on um we were I feel like we were flipped on one position. We were flipped on quarterback mm-hmm. and I think you gave an answer for wide receiver, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we have all that discussed, but ultimately, you know, you don't win the game and as simple as this. Um, so when you break it down, who are your uh, X factors to winning this football game on either side? Yeah, so I definitely think it's going to be a good game. I think the X factors for the Chiefs, it's going to be guys like Tyree Kill, um, guys that we mentioned in the secondary, like uh, Daniel Sorensen, Tyron Matthew. They're, they're going to make a difference in this game. Um, for the Bucks, on the other hand, obviously uh, – Tom Brady, I think, has to come to play. He's got to put up uh, points in that offense. Um, that linebacking unit, like we mentioned, Devin White's been playing at a crazy good level. Going to need him to show up. Um, I guess when you're talking about it, like, if, it, it, it's a tough game. It's a tough game to predict just because, you know, you, you think the Chiefs just they look great. Um, they look like the best team in the league. But somehow there, there's a Tom Brady factor when it comes into picking these games. Somehow, some way, he finds ways to win these games, even though when it looks like looks like he's not going to. I, I've gone back and forth on this game. I, I really have, but I, I do want to go with my gut, and I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. I'll probably be wrong because I've bet against Brady so many times, but I I, I think the Chiefs are going to pull this one off. Yeah. So I, I want more of a, I think I alluded to it a little bit, but my X factor, it's on the Kansas City D-line, and I'll, say, I'll single out Chris Jones. Um, if that four gets home like they did versus Josh Allen the Bills, they should win. You know, he didn't get that $20 million uh, AV contract because he's a slouch. The guy makes plays, um, great plays on the quarterback from the interior. No quarterback does well with pressure, especially the pure pocket passer that is Tom Brady. Getting after Brady, forcing quick decisions also has that um, effect on the Chiefs' DBs, help them out, you know, when they're a little overmatched against a really good wide receiver corps. He got paid to make plays, and there's no bigger game uh, that is being played than February 7th. So with that being said, I will be taking the Kansas City Chiefs 38-27, to and don't let the 11-point margin fool you. I think this should be a great game, competitive till the end. But ultimately, I think the Patrick Mahomes to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey connection will cripple the Tampa Bay defense down the stretch. Uh, Tampa Bay's offense should have some success, but I think Kansas City will be able to bend, not break, uh, to stop Tom Brady from converting touchdowns. Key for a Tampa Bay victory is taking advantage of a weak opposing O-line. But the thing is, Patrick Mahomes, he just has that escapability to overcome and diagnose pressure. So in the end... I have Tom being denied of another ring. Pat Mahomes gets number two with likely many more in his future. I'll, I'll throw out Patrick Mahomes is the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, let's say 27 of 37, 310 yards, four touchdowns, Chiefs repeat. Yeah, I guess I didn't tell uh, my MVP pick, but definitely if the Chiefs win, it's going to be hard not seeing Patrick Mahomes win it. Um, I'd expect a 300-yard, three-touchdown type of game from him. Um, definitely could watch out for a guy like Tyreek Hill who can make an impact in this game. Um, that would, But you have to go Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day. You got to, your quarterback just has an advantage of winning the MVP. Yeah, for sure. So that's just about everything. And I just um, – this just kind of came in my head out of nowhere – before we leave off, I want to ask you this, and I'll, I'll answer it as well. Um, off the top of your head, if you had to pick who's playing in the Super Bowl one year from now, who do you think it'll be? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, man, it, it, it's tough to pick that right now, but I, way too early pick. Obviously, obviously, both of these teams would have a good chance to get back in, I think, again. Um Something bet against the Chiefs. You know, they just keep on winning. As long as Patrick Mahomes is there, if I were to bet my life salary on it, I'm I'm putting it on him to get back here. Um and, and the NFC is one of those that is definitely interesting. I, I don't want to say the Bucks will be back, but I definitely think they'll be here in contention. Um oh man, I I think how how about uh well I, I think Matthew Stafford and the new new Rams. I, I think they're going to be successful. Obviously, I'd like to see my Detroit Lions with Matthew Stafford here, but I, I think the Rams, I think he's going to add an element to their passing game that is just that they needed so bad. I think Sean McVay is 
and Stafford are going to flourish with that offense. And that defense is still going to be a top notch. I'm going to go with the Rams. I think they'll find a way to get in there next year. You beat me to it. I think the Rams, and I want to preface this. Um, I've said preface a lot. I think that's got to be a word of the podcast, preface. Um, I still think there are moves that they need to make. You know, I think there are little things that they can improve on. But they've, you know, when you have that great defense, you have um, a great offense and a great offensive system in place with uh, Sean McVay. And then you put in a very good quarterback that has been an, an incompetent offensive system in there. I think they can really get the vertical passing game going and have success. So my pick would also be the Rams from the NFC. And I think, you know, I think the Bills can, you know, stick around, but ultimately I'm not betting against the Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs will get back there. And I, ah, I don't know. I think, you know, obviously could be Jets-Lions, definitely a possibility. But I don't know. It's it's early in the offseason. We it don't know where a lot of guys are going to be moving. Something about the Rams, though. I know um, – I know I've definitely had these conversations. I know I'll probably have a couple people hopefully listening that'll be happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> I, don't know I think, I think another team that you can maybe watch out for in the AFC is if they if they find a quarterback, the Colts are definitely a team I think could make a run. They have that roster. They desperately need a quarterback. I was hoping to see Stafford go there. But if they find a quarterback, I think they could maybe, maybe upset the Chiefs. I, yeah, I mean, the Colts, the year or the year that, you know, the offseason where preseason actually, where Andrew Luck retired, before he retired, they were my Super Bowl pick. It's because mm-hmm. if you eliminate the quarterback position and you grade teams everywhere outside of there, they're one of the best teams there are. Um, a lot of cap space, too, got some draft capital. I definitely think uh, if you're looking at a sleeper, they make a good quarterback move. I don't know. You know, I don't think it'll be a Deshaun Watson in um, interdivision trade. I don't know if they'll ro- – I don't think it'll be anything. Like, I don't think they pay it from Jacoby Brissett. I don't know if they go up and get their guy in the draft, if they get, you know, get a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields Trey Lance. I don't know if maybe they swing for a disgruntled guy like Carson Wentz, maybe take a chance on young Sam Darnold and flip us over a late first-round pick. Um you, second, and, second and fifth would work too, but um, definitely the sleepers there. And I mean, that's just that's just about all I got. I don't know if you have anything else. Um, not much else. The one other team that just popped in my mind at the very end is uh, the 49ers. I think when they're healthy next year, I, I think they're definitely another team that you watch out for. Yeah, um, especially the Niners, similar to the Colts in the sense that. They're, they might have a little more certainty at quarterback if they don't mm-hmm. to make any moves, but it sounds like they're, you know, heavily interested in getting another guy, whether it be, you know, Deshaun Watson, who more viable, or, mm-hmm. you know, if they go through the draft, a guy like, you know, Trey Lance and that San Francisco system, it might take a little time for him to get that starting job, but that would sound beautiful. I think it's very similar to Los Angeles in the sense that they have a great offensive uh, mind great offensive system, but they just don't have that quarterback to take it to the next level. So if mm-hmm. they get that quarterback, I mean, I was high on the NFC West this year, and then can you imagine if that division? I I don't. I hope it's. I hope Deshaun Watson is in green, but could you imagine if that division is Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray? That would be that would be insane, and there's I don't even know. That would definitely suck for one of those teams playing in the division because imagine all four would get in the playoffs and since they have to play each other so many times a year. But uh, that would be that would be really fun to watch. Watch the yeah. Rex it. I mean, if that happens, you got to move one of them to the what is it NFC South or North NFC? No, no, I'm uh, we'll take them in the NFC, NFC North. East. NFC East. NFC East. I'm I'm brain lapsing. Brain lapsing. Put one of them in the NFC East and get a real team to compete in there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think nothing big happening, um, football off season wise that I can think of unless am I, am I drawing a blank? Um, not much other than, you know, the Stafford trade that happened last week, but, um, yeah, I feel like that's not all there is. Um, I think, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's today, but I know at some point this week they're giving out the NFL honors. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I don't even I know. That is on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. And then, I mean, baseball-wise, sounds like Trevor Bauer might actually make a choice soon. He, he tweeted that they're down to two teams. The Mets are in contact. Second team, I would presume, is the Dodgers. Could be their um, fellow Orange County friends, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I don't know. Uh, I expect the Mets, I think. Yeah, I think I think he'll end up being a Met. But with all of that being said, I really appreciate you guys for listening um, throughout this postseason. Obviously, um, hopefully we'll get into some college basketball. I'm not I'm not a basketball expert as much. Love college basketball though, so hopefully I'll be able to bring some of that content. Um, start off with some off season content. I know I have a lot of things I'm working on. Excited for baseball season two. That's what I will say. Uh, my next baseball thing, very lighthearted. I'm working on a, um, I guess as a podcast insider, I currently have a list of my favorite nicknames in all of baseball that I'm going to rank and give some analysis on. So expect that stuff soon. Um, as always, the blog, the redshirt.blog or the redshirt.wixsite.com slash home. You know, it's wacky. Wix sucks. So they redirect my page awfully. Um, Instagram at the.redshirt. Twitter at the Redshirt blog. All of these should be linked in the description. I actually tweet now, so you guys have no excuse not to be following it. Um, Jacob, any plug, uh, pl- or shameless plugs? <laughs> Plugless shame. Yeah, no, nothing much, but thanks for uh, having me on again. Thanks for having me on for the whole uh, postseason run. It was a good time. Uh, appreciate uh, letting me coming on and talking some sports. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I really appreciate having you on. I think. I can't speak for you, but I've enjoyed some of these banters. I think we've definitely had some good conversations. I don't know if other people I've had on for these weekly football things to get on, you know. I can't know a North Carolina State student really pops in my mind. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, I don't know about him. Yeah. Um, so one last time for this NFL postseason Super Bowl on Sunday. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.